Uh, well, happy Easter. Uh, my name is Slim. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic. Um, I also double as drummer um, sometimes, and I don't drum like some of the drummers. Uh, I, 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 I grew up listening to like you know Dave Grohl, and I just tried to emulate him and hit the pillows as hard as I can. So I'm a little disheveled after played. So. <laughs> but one of the beautiful things. <laughs> On Easter, that I get, that I, one of the reasons I love it is I don't have to plan what I'm going to preach because everyone knows what you're supposed to preach at Easter. Uh, but two, we like some of us want to say this is the one time of year I dress up. This is this is like a Tuesday for Malcolm, but <laughs> this is a fun day in that regard for some of us. Uh, but today, it's my joy to talk to you about why Easter matters. Why Easter matters. Um, a pastor friend of mine once told me about a, a kid in his church. They were doing an Easter program, and the kid, let's, let's call him Brian, um, had they, all the kids had to have their, their lines memorized, uh, and when it came time for Brian to deliver his line, which is something we're talking about today, the he is not here, he is risen line, he gets up to the mic and he freezes. If you have any kids like this, the fight or flight uh, or the freeze, um, and they, they, this Brian just froze and starts shaking. <laughs> and so the, the, the kid's director walks up and says, he's not here, he's risen. And so then Brian goes, and he grabs the mic like Mick Jagger <laughs> and says, he's not here, he's in prison. <laughs> I mean, the heroine of hell, like he did, but <laughs> close enough, close enough. Uh, today, we're going to talk about what is foundational to Christianity, what, what Christianity is built upon, that, that, that Christ actually came, that he actually did what all the prophets said he would do, that he, he, he came through Virgin Mary, that he was born that, that, that he performed all of these miracles that, that was prophesied about, that, that he died and that he was raised again. That's what we get to talk about, all these beautiful things. And then, and then he appeared to hundreds and hundreds of witnesses to, to prove that he, was, that he actually rose from the dead. And these witnesses went around telling people about this and it, to the cost of their lives. Like this, this is what cost them their lives, Easter Sunday. To proclaim what happens on Easter costs them their lives. And so this is, this is the center of Christianity. The center of Christianity is not a to-do list. It's not, it's not the, the secret of life. The center of Christianity is an empty tomb. Amen? The center of Christianity is an empty tomb. So if you don't know much about Christianity and you're like, I think I'm a Christian, this is it. <laughs> this is the foundation that there is an empty tomb, that Jesus rose from the dead. But before we get there, because I'm excited for that part, we, we'll get there. I want us to transport ourselves into the events uh, uh, surrounding this moment. When, like when Jesus was crucified, think about it. There, there were no crowds still following him. When Jesus was crucified, there, there was no church. There was no Bible to reference when Jesus was crucified, there were no believers. Do you, do you think about that? Like, there were no believers when Jesus was crucified. None. 
None at all. When Jesus was crucified, all that was left were dozens of confused followers wondering what happened. I mean, think of the the confusion you must have felt if that was you. I mean, they're just in shock. I mean, they thought, we were winning. We, We just shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king is coming. Everything is a coming to plan. Like, we have a conquering hero that we've been following, some of us, for two, maybe three years. Think about someone you've been following for two, maybe three years, and just like that, in the blink of an eye, they're gone. That he, less than 24 hours, he was tried and crucified. I mean, to feel the shock and the utter disbelief. What happened? What happened? I mean, you, could, you almost feel like they might be getting angry about this. He's hanging on a cross. You know, a crucifixion, it, it's not the easiest or quickest way to kill someone. The reason you crucified someone was twofold. First, it was to just convey the utter terror to the people that were following him, that if you follow in this, these footsteps, this is what will happen to you. It was, a, it was a marketing tool to everyone. This is what happens to followers of Jesus or to anyone who follows these criminals. And so it was, it was this oppressive way to terrorize the community to make an example of Jesus. But the other thing that it was, it was just to dishonor the criminal. It was to treat them like trash. Because right after they die, the remains of, the, of the, that body are taken off and they're left in a dump where animals would probably eat. Unless you had some money and you bribed a Roman centurion to get the body, to go take care of it and to honor it. And, and, our, and what happened with Jesus, the gospel tells us that Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and Joseph of Arimathea went straight to the governor for, and asked him for the body to bury. They don't tell us whether there was an exchange of money or not, but maybe so. And then they would take Jesus' body and they would seal him in a tomb out of honor for a dead person. But again, they didn't actually believe. I mean, because of their reputation in the community, they were secret followers of Jesus before, but now they just wanted to do the good thing and the right thing and just honor this man who was so loving to his followers And so they just wanted to to honor him and to put him in a grave, to care for him, to put spices on on him. And so they did what anyone would do in that time. But think about this. At this moment, the disciples fled. Peter denies him three times. One of the disciples gets the nickname Doubting Thomas when they all should be considered doubting disciples. Right? Everyone flees. They all click the unfollow button of Jesus. They do not want to have anything to do with him anymore. Everybody, everybody including his own mother, who is witness to all of the the extraordinary events. And just think of the doubts running through your mind, like, what did I miss? Like, weren't those miracles real? Like, what did I see? Did I miss something? I can't believe I believed him. 
He said I'm the, he was greater than, than, than Abraham. He said he was greater than Moses. He said he was the great I am. Like, how could he say that? He said he was greater than the temple. How could I fall for that? But the Holy One of God cannot die, and he gets crucified? No. I must have missed something. And so a crazy man who claimed to be the Messiah is now dead, and Pilate, the Roman governor, is looking to get back home. All is going back to normal. Nothing ever changes. You ever feel that despair? Nothing ever changes. This is the despair that that they're feeling early on Easter morning. Look at Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Why do you bring spices to a tomb? It's, it's, it's to honor it. They went to mourn. They went to mourn their friend. They didn't believe in this moment. They, they thought he was dead. They thought he did what every dead person does, and it's to stay dead. And so they assume he's dead. Later, we're told, when they do believe, and they go to the disciples, and they try to tell the, 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 the 11 disciples that... He's not here. What does verse 11 tell us? But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. How infuriating is that for many of you to hear that? At the same time, I want us to see, like, if you feel like today that the church is nonsense, if you feel like the resurrection is nonsense, you feel like all of the stuff that Christians believe is nonsense, I want you to hear you're in good company because even Jesus' best friends thought it was nonsense. Even his best friends doubted. Do you doubt and say, I don't know, is this real? Is this nonsense? That's where they're at. And I think many times we think the people back then were just so superstitious Maybe a little stitious, but they were so superstitious that they would just believe anything, right? Like, they didn't have smartphones. They didn't have antibiotics. What idiots. Okay. (laughs) Just because they don't have these technologies doesn't mean their IQ is lower. They may have been more skeptical about a resurrection than maybe you and I are. They didn't believe that the dead would come back to life right here. Like... These claims are too good to be true, and they are now trying to sell us on this. Like, what what, what benefit would it be to the disciples to make the Christian megachurch of Rome? No. They just killed the leader. And they're going to kill all of these disciples, too, if they continue to follow this leader. I'm going to get executed, too. There's no benefit to me following this man. And so they document their own disbelief. Would you document your own disbelief if you were making up something? If you were making up a lie? Wouldn't you, put, you paint yourself in the best possible light? No, they, they rat on how skeptical they were that it was nonsense. And if you're trying to convince others, you wouldn't also put the leaders of this great news, the heralds of this great news, to be the women. Because the the first carriers of the Easter message were women. And I know we've said this before, but it needs to be said again and again and again 
that a, a woman's testimony wasn't even valid in court in these days. And so it makes zero sense that verse 10 tells us that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the, to the apostles. And so who are the, those women? Mary Magdalene. The woman Jesus cast out seven demons from. Seven. One demon cast out of me. I'm following you forever. Like, woo! Seven. Seven demons cast out of this woman. And she follows him, right? She loves him, but still, there's a, there's a, a, a doubt. There's a skepticism. Is he really who he was? Then there's this woman, Joanna, and I'm guessing many of you have never heard a sermon emphasizing Joanna, and you're like, why did no one tell me about this Joanna woman, right? And it's interesting that she's between the two Marys. Some, some say the reason that, that she is now placed in the center there is because she is now the, the chief um, reporter of the gospel to Luke. She's the one who's telling Luke, hey, here's actually what happened, and so now Luke is getting this information from Jan Joanna, and who is she? She was the wife of Chusa. You all know Chusa, right? <laughs> the manager of Herod's household, the same Herod who beheaded John the Baptist, right? And so, again, why does he list her? Because she's the witness to the resurrection. And then he lists Mary, Jesus' mother. And so all of these women are proclaiming something happened on their first visit to the tomb. Something's different because they were going to mourn. They were going to the cemetery to cry to put the roses. They were going to mourn. And then in verse 2, it says, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Woo! What a scene that must have been. They found the stone rolled away. This giant stone rolled away. How does that happen? And the angel said, say to them in verse 5, why do you look for the living among the dead? And then the greatest line in history, he is not here. He has risen. Let's go right? He is not here. He is risen. Reminds them after this that Jesus had to die. He says that the angels tell him that he must be delivered, that this was all a part of Jesus's rescue mission. But on the third day, he'll be raised again. And so I, for one, am thankful for the women like Joanna and Mary who kept preaching the gospel to people who wouldn't listen to them. Amen? I'm thankful for many women who continue to do that. They kept telling the story because at first, we typically dismiss this story. It's too good to be true. It is nonsense. No way. We dismiss it, but maybe there's one time that you finally hear it. Maybe that's today. Maybe you've dismissed it for many, many days before, but today you actually listen to it. And that's what happens to a few of the disciples. Mark's account of, uh, of the resurrection says the angels tell the and it says to the angels telling the women, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Mm -hmm. Tell the disciples and Peter. That alone is just conveying so much mercy and grace. Why tell the disciples and Peter? Peter just denied he knew Christ. Three times, go tell Peter. Hmm. The love of God is working through these angels. And so Peter hears this good news, and in his, 
impulsive way, just sprints away. <laughs> Where is he going? <laughs> He's just running. But we also hear with a little more clarity, um, not only did, G- did Peter run, John ran with him. And John... Uh, Chapter 20, verse 3, it says, So Peter and the other disciple, which is referring to John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. (laughs) It reached the tomb first. (laughs) John, why is that so important to the the narrative (laughs) that you tell everyone how much faster you are than Peter? (laughs) For centuries later, (laughs) everyone could document how much faster you are than Peter. I just love it. It kind of reminds me of a few weeks ago. We had this, um, we had this potluck. We had this obstacle course. Um, and and I, I think I actually beat Malcolm in a race. <laughs> we had this race. No one believed I would, I would win. <laughs> Kids are coming up. But you're bigger. Yeah, that's right. Don't you doubt this. <laughs> the other disciple outran him. <laughs> so says the word of God. <laughs> but one reason we know this resurrection story is true is because of pettiness like that. Like, why include such like, random details like that unless it were true? Unless it was just documenting facts. The pettiness proves the resurrection, or at least it helps us understand it. And so what they saw changes everything. The resurrection literally changes everything. The resurrection launches the church. Because before, they didn't believe. Something happens when they visit the tomb. Something changes them. I mean, think about that. Peter's life three years ago, he, he, he believes, he unbelieves, and then something happens and he believes again. Right, three years ago, Jesus says, lay down your nets. He gets up and he follows Jesus all this time. And then he's confronted by a middle school girl and he, and he doesn't believe anymore. And then something happens on this visit to the tomb that makes him believe again. Something changes the outcome of Peter's life and the rest of history here. Something happens. They don't go on their way. They were going to despair. They were going to mourn. And so the one question that Easter demands of us, the one question that you have to ask, that you can't walk away without asking, is it's not how do we pray? It's not what are the 12 tribes of Israel? That's not the questions that we need to know. The one question that Easter, Easter demands of you is where is Jesus? Where is he? If he's in the tomb, then the story just goes on. And and he was a really good man, and I hope they make a movie about him one day. That's not it. If he's not there, then what? It changes everything. It, it, It was told that Abraham Lincoln's casket was opened in 1901 to prove that his body was there. There were some thoughts that may not have been there. Everyone looked relieved when they opened the tomb that his body was there. Christ's tomb was opened to prove that he was not there. That when they opened the tomb, no one's there. And so the best news in the world comes from an empty cemetery. The best news in the world comes from an empty cemetery. 
So where is Jesus? The stone is rolled away. Did someone steal him? That's what the disciples thought. Maybe he resuscitated. No, the Romans were experts in, in killing their victims. They made sure he was dead. Where is Jesus? He is not here. And so say it with me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. This is the best news of the world. <laughs> this is all we need to do. This is all we have to say. I sermon over. No. <laughs> We have to ask the question, why does Easter matter, though? Why does it matter that he is risen? Well, let me give you the, why it matters to Peter. Remember Peter? Belief, unbelief, belief. Remember the shame he might have felt. And then the angel saying, go tell Peter. And now here, a, a changed Peter. This is from his letter, 1 Peter 1.3. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a different Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. And Peter knows mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Oh, <laughs> it can never perish, spoil, or fade. We, we can doubt all of these good, these, these promises that someone may be trying to sell us. This will never perish, spoil, or fade. And he gets an inheritance. Who gets inheritances? Children. And so now Jesus is now saying, you are now going to be adopted into my family, Peter, and that we all get to experience that same adoption. It matters because it changes our forever destiny. It matters because he says we now have a living hope. <laughs> a living hope, a tangible hope. This is not just wishful thinking. Like his hope is rooted in history. He went and saw and he wondered what has happened here. He had to see it. He saw it. He has reason to hope. Joanna and the Marys have reason to hope. And so why does Easter matter? Because Easter, <laughs> Easter is the, the event that makes everything else matter. The East, Easter matters because it's the hope that pervades all of our other hopes. Easter matters, and by its light, everything else you're now able to see. You're going, oh, now that matters too, and now this matters too. It matters because it makes matter matter. You see what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he didn't just resurrect into a spirit form. He resurrected with a physical body. He makes matter matter, that the things of this world, that you yourself are going to be made new, are going to be made whole. It makes everything matter. We are all going to be made new. We're all going to be made whole. No one, no one just rises from the dead and just says, I'll go without a body. No, 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 no. You get, you get a resurrected body. Some of us are feeling some aches and some pains. I had a giant ladder fall on my foot yesterday. I'm limping. It's black and blue. I hope the resurrection fixes this foot. <laughs> Whatever is ailing you, these things are going to be made new, made whole, where all the pains are going to go away. Easter matters. And it's not just matter because it's invading the physical world. It's also invading the spiritual world and where the evil is going to be choked out. Easter matters because when Jesus rises, we will rise too. Death has been defeated. He is not here. He has risen. And it changes the course of history forever. The grave is not the end of the story. Think about that. 
The grave is not the end of the story. The grave is a comma, not a full stop. The grave is a comma. It's just part of the story, not a full stop. Death has been defeated. And that means these. That means, yes, you will rise again. But it also means that your shame has been defeated. It means injustice has been defeated. It means addictions have been defeated. And sorrow has been defeated. Despair has been de- defeated. I mean, do you see how it's the hope that pervades all other hopes? Like, this is what Easter does. If Jesus raised from the dead, that means that shame doesn't have the last word in your life. It didn't have the last word in Peter's life. Shame is this evil monster (laughs) that makes you doubt. You're like, yeah, that's good for those people, but it wouldn't be good for me. Hear it from someone who's received the grace and mercy and hear from someone who's received the Easter power. God is remaking you. Believe in Easter. Believe that it means you will be remade whole, that there is resurrection hope. It matters because injustice won't have the last word. And in this world, there are some unfair and ungodly and just ugly things happening. But the resurrection means that God is going to right all the wrongs and restore all these things 1,000 times over to be better than it was before than all that we lost. Easter matters because our addictions don't have the last word. Easter matters because maybe you feel captive to your sins, but the resurrection power that is going to be released in you destroys all the powers of death. I know that's not an easy process. You may struggle every single day, but the resurrection promise is the ultimate promise of healing and hope with you in those struggles. Easter is a power over sorrow because sorrow doesn't have the last word. And maybe maybe you've been hiding back tears from your eyes all day today, saying, how can I be hopeful when all that has hit me this past week, and maybe you know someone who has passed, a loved one. Maybe you've received a really sad phone call and received some bad news. And I'm sorry. I've heard from some of you, and I just I weep with you. But the resurrection shows you that this pain has an expiration date. That the pain will not last forever. It won't always be this way because it wasn't that way for Jesus. When all hope was lost, he comes. When all hope was lost, on the third day, he rises from the dead, and we will too. That is the heart of Christianity. It's not a new approach to spirituality. It's a dead man walking out of a grave, and that changes everything. And so let me ask you, are we living a resurrected life? Do we live in that way? In light of Easter, are we stuck in the mire of sin? Are we risen or are we still in the grave? Do we have an Easter hope or earthly despair? Do we have an Easter hope or earthly despair? I mean, remind ourselves, the stone is rolled away. The best news in the world has already happened. Victory is already sure. Now we just get to live in light of that assurance. that There is a power that's been won. That's what the gospel is. It's a declaration of good news. God is at work and he has done, he's done the, the thing that he came to do since the beginning of the world. He rose from the dead. Something changed the disciples' lives forever at Easter. And I, I hope and pray that that same thing changes you here today. Like, do you have that Easter hope? Maybe you're like the disciples and you feel like some of this is just nonsense. But I pray that... That was nonsense up until this day. That on this day, something clicks. Something about the resurrection just makes sense. 
the way it didn't before. And you say, that's, that's the power I want. I, 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 I stiff-armed it before, but now I want it, I want it in my life because I have a Savior who lives. He, he is not here, and so why am I living, looking for the living among the dead? And so let me ask you, do you want to come forward in faith? Today, I just want to let you know, we have some kids who are going to be leading the way. We have some kids who are going to be professing their faith and getting baptized. And I pray that these kids would be like Joanna to the apostles. That maybe you didn't believe it before, but you needed someone else to tell it to you. And maybe it's these kids and their professions of faith, their, their declarations of what they're, they're, they're affirming. You go, I want that too. I pray our kids lead us this morning. That if we doubt, we can see the, the honesty and the purity and the, the, the beauty in their professions. And we follow suit. And we proclaim that same Easter hope that they're, they're latching onto. May we latch onto it as well. And so today, why does Easter matter? It makes everything else matter. It gives us hope for all of our hopes. Let me pray for us.